Hey everyone, Steve here, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Happy as a Clam, to Mr. Fresh Ed, I love that name, and Mary T for giving us reviews on iTunes. iTunes does their rankings based on an algorithm of downloads and reviews, so each review we get helps bump us up those podcast charts. If you like what you heard and you've got a moment, please go to iTunes and leave us an honest review. We would appreciate it more than you know, and you'll probably get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks. We sit down over a breakfast taco and I, and I explain everything to him and all the circumstances. I said, man, I just can't figure this thing out. And I don't remember what he said, but I remember what God said through him. And he said, are you done yet? Are you done living the life I never intended you to live? Are you done carrying the worry and the burdens of life? Are you done trying to control every circumstance, every, uh, every person? Um, and, and I was completely done. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Daryl Lyons. As you'll soon hear in this interview, Daryl's a financial advisor in the San Antonio area, but the reason that we brought him in was he has this great book that I've got in front of me. It's called Small Business, Big Pressure, and I love the subtitle, A Faith-Based Approach to Guide the Ambitious Entrepreneur. From that teaser clip, you'll hear that Daryl is very open and honest about his journey, so this is a great story and a great guy. Here now is how my co-host John Ramsett and I got this conversation started on this edition of Eternal Leadership. Well, Steve, today on Eternal Leadership, we have Daryl Lyons. I'm really excited about this one, John. Now, I met Daryl Lyons through Twitter, and the we caught our uh, the attention of each other. Daryl has written a book. Small business, big pressure, and it's the tagline that really appealed to me, a faith-based approach to guide the ambitious entrepreneur. And just mm. a little glint into what Daryl's been able to accomplish with this approach. He's built a company that has been named one of the best companies to work for, one of the fastest growing companies um, in Texas. Is that correct, Daryl? Uh, in San Antonio. We've been recognized in Texas, but not for those two awards. Yet, right? <laughs> Yet. But San Antonio is a big market. But anyway, there's so much Daryl has that he's going to bring to the table today. But Daryl, welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, Daryl, as we, we kick this off, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and your background so people can get to know you, and then we'll, we'll dive right into some, some great teachings here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I didn't have a silver spoon, spoon growing up. I had a trailer park in a small town in Casterville, Texas is where I graduated high school from and then ended up going to college and really worked at a bank all the way through college. That's how I paid my way through school. So mm. I had a, an interest in finance, not only because it, it provided some income, but also I just wanted to know how people made money. I mean, how did the rich people do it. And so I really started to have an interest there. And so I began an academic pursuit of finance and it really continued after I graduated, worked for a Fortune 100 company and then realized that uh, it was time for me to, uh, uh, to start my business. And that happened about nine years ago. Now, what kind of home life did you have growing up? Well, you know, it was a challenging one. Uh, my father, who has uh, an, at that time an eighth grade education. He certainly pursued more since then, and my mother as well. She she had me at age sixteen. So you can only imagine the challenges financially, yeah. trying to find work, and then also trying to find your identity as a husband and wife who uh, don't have the leadership and the values instilled in them. 
And so, yeah, there was a lot of movement, a lot of uh, uh, arguing, a lot of fighting. It was difficult. Where did this desire to learn about how successful people make money really come from then? Yeah, so I think it was really rooted in um, an event that took place early in my life when when my dad, who in the 80s, you remember he, in the 80s, the uh, oil and gas crisis, and he had a, a Burt Reynolds mustache and a big red <laughs> F-150, nice. and he was he was moving up in the in the world, and in Texas, uh, he was he was a, a mover and a shaker. <clears throat> he ended up going to his office and putting the key in the door, and it didn't work. And so he called building management and he said, "What's what's going on?" And building management said, "Well, it's corporate. It's not you." And 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 corporate said, "You're you're done. We're letting you go." And so he was let go. It was really the only time I had seen my dad, who's a pretty tough guy. You know, he's a Texas guy, cowboy hats and um and and big boots. And, and the first time I've seen him cry. So. Uh, it was at that point that the financial situation that we had started to crumble and it never really came together while I was under their roof. But it was in that moment I had manufactured a belief uh, and it was wrong, but but it still was there. And, and uh, God was he's he's awesome in his pursuit. But I manufactured a belief that I never wanted to work for anyone. I was afraid that if I worked for somebody, that key would come back and haunt me. Again, we know that's not truth, but but that's what I believed in, and so it really started early. So that key was a very powerful metaphor for you, wasn't it, through your life? Yeah, it really was, and and I'll never forget when I quit when I quit uh, working for the Fortune 100 company. There was no math behind it. There was no uh, thinking. It was just I had to do this. I had to quit, and I had to start my own business. Yeah, it's kind of odd. So you're going to create your own door and walk through it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that would be the easy road. And that's not exactly true, as we know, as entrepreneurs. <laughs> now, you know, as you walked into this, you, there's so many people that are, that are entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they understand exactly where you're coming from as you started this company. What were you bringing into that? Just your, your mindset, what you were thinking at the time? I was thinking I just needed to survive. Uh, you know, I had thought at that time, the time that I started my business, uh, this was, you know, I was a financial guy, but I was not buying what I was selling necessarily. And at the, when you work for some of these larger companies, the idea is to have a lot of debt and, you know, expensive cars. And I certainly bought into that despite knowing that that didn't make sense. So when I started my business, my credit cards were equal to my income. Think about that for a second. That's kind of scary, wow. right? Now, I don't have any debt today, but but at that time, that was scary. So there was no cerebral process here, right? It was just pure emotion. I am going to start my business no matter what. And, and there was uh, embedded fear in every single moment of my life because I was afraid of failing. And, and so... It was, you know, you can call that fear healthy, but at the end of the day, it was, um, it was overwhelming. And so I, I got to experience that fear as an entrepreneur very early, and it really didn't end for a long time. So you walked into this new venture with this real sense of this fear of failure. Was it driving you or was it a place of resistance? No, it was, it was driving me. Um, it was driving me mad. Uh, I was, you know, I'd get up at four o'clock and work until, you know, 10, 11 or 12. I mean, I just crank it out. Right. So I'm just going to work my way out of this. If I had a financial problem, I'm going to work my way out of it. I'm going to find some more product to sell and find more people to see. If I was 
sitting still, I would say, okay, well, let me go out and go try to find a client. And I'd go knock on doors or knock on business owners' doors or knock on trailer park doors, anything I could do. And so the work ethic is great. It was the attitude in which I was executing, which uh, was really uh, detrimental to me, my family, and the people that were around me. We said that attitude was detrimental. Is there a point in that startup phase where you just really hit bottom? Yeah, I'll, um, I, I remember one time in particular that uh, I was heading to the office and um, the night before, it was just a really rough night. I was struggling with, a, with paying the mortgage. I couldn't figure that out. My wife, who's a Southern Belle, beautiful woman, her name is Caress. Who gets a wife named Caress? It's pretty cool, <laughs> right? So, so in her sweet Southern Belle, she, uh, we, I was really struggling paying the mortgage and she just encouraged me. Uh, you can do this. This is your dream. So I get up at 4 a.m. I get to the office. And at this time, we had one car. So uh, we had sold my BMW convertible. So she would pick me up and drop me off from work. But this morning, I needed to head to work early to work my way out of this rut. So I headed to the office and I put my key in the door and it didn't work. No. <laughs> yeah. And so this kind of this, uh, uh, these, this nostalgia kind of horrific memories come back and, and yeah. I sit there and I just start crying. And, and, and I remember in that moment, this was a really good experience for me to, uh, because in that moment I said, God, what are you doing here? Uh, this does not make any sense to me. And uh, because I couldn't get in the building and I wasn't locked out, the reality was is I had left the accurate key on another key ring at my house. So uh, I wasn't locked out. I just made a mistake. But I sat there in the car and I remember saying, uh, God, what are you doing? And I don't remember exactly uh, an audible voice. It was more of an imprint. But I remember him saying to me at this time, this is what I needed to hear. Um, Put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) And that sounds funny, but because for me, I um, I had given him the first fruits whenever it was convenient. And whenever, you know, I had a little extra money, but not as a testament of faith. And so at that moment, I had made a commitment uh, as completely broke to give him the first fruits regardless of my circumstances. And that was a really big breakthrough for me because Mm. that was an antidote to the financial fear that I had been experiencing, uh, that I was going to trust him and I was going to do that uh, in a very tangible way. And, and, And I'm not, I literally am not worried about money like that ever again. And that's not a prosperity theology. It's just my attitude has changed when I started making a commitment to give. Well, it sounds like that led you to a different level of faith. I love the saying, fear knocked on the door, faith answered, and no one was there. Yeah, that's right. I still had, you know, I had given God access to one room in my house, and I still had some more to give him. Uh, but the finance one was a real stronghold. Obviously, that's one that I've, uh, I've, I've dedicated a lot of my life to, to learning about. And this was one area that he really needed to break through, and he did an excellent job. I, I, I always say, if I were God, I'd do things differently. <laughs> um, but, but, but he put me to a place where uh, I really had to trust him with my money, and, and there's no regrets. And today, it's, it's nice because now that the income's a little bit better, right, I get to um, really experience the joy of giving because that habit's been developed over the years. You know, so, Daryl, once you had this mindset shift and you really – um, your faith had shifted or, or you'd moved toward this different level of faith and you were giving, what did that look like in your business the next couple of years? So I think it, it brought a level of peace, not just to me, but the people that I was around. Uh, you can imagine how a 
customer or client feels when you're living in perpetual fear. They recognize that you're anxious, right, mm. to, to sell something. Uh, and then also uh, employees, you know, you're, when you're living in fear about money, you're constantly jittery and constantly nitpicking. And so the people around me got to experience just a little bit more peace. And, and then as a result of that, uh, people started enjoying being around me just a little bit more. And that's, a, that's kind of a good feeling. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there's something, there's a hallmark of a lot of entrepreneurs because they have a lot of self-confidence. They're relying on their abilities and and their perception that they can, you know, like you said, outwork any problem, get through anything. You know, as you went through this, what changed maybe about how you saw your ability and, and God's role in that? Yeah, I think that the change really... Um, really happened about five years ago, which was a more material event in my life. If you don't mind, I'd like to share this with you for a second. Sure. Um, because like I said, God had worked on one room and there was just much more work to do. Mm. And in this one particular situation, I started to get a little bit older. I'm, I'm still a young guy, but my body wasn't working the way I used to, where I used to play a lot of sports. And so I decided to try different sports. So I tried golf and um, I'm not good at golf. I, I didn't just embarrass myself, I embarrassed others. So I decided to take up running and I go to California before a conference and I get a morning jogging and I start running and I get lost and I'm jogging on the freeway and I'm late to the conference. Again, not a big deal, but kind of embarrassing. I head back from the conference and, and not long after that, I get a client call and I had lost him $10,000 just by a clerical error and he had a beard and guns and he was not happy. And so these are just all little circumstances, but I'm starting to get a little frustrated. And so it's a beautiful February day. I'll never forget my wife's staying home with our um, oldest son and she's pregnant and I'm going to take my daughter, who's two at the time, to the grocery store about a couple miles up the road. And we drive up to the grocery store and we roll the windows down and she's singing and we're enjoying it. And then she kicks with her foot the electronic up button and sticks her finger between the window and the frame and her finger stuck. So I had to swerve over on the side of the road and I thought I was going to have to punch the window down. But she let go with her foot and her finger was severed. There's blood all over her princess dress. Hmm. So I darted over to the hospital, which was just a few miles away, and I get in there, and they ask me my name and my date of birth, and of course, as a dad with a little princess, a blonde princess, I couldn't possibly articulate anything well, but uh, they get her in the hospital, and Dr. Chris Phelps, who's a friend of ours today, successfully reattaches her finger overnight. She stays there overnight, not without pain or not without worry, but, but it reattaches it successfully. But that night, my wife lost the baby. Mm. And so at wow, this dear. point, at this point, I'm, um, I had been able to kind of work through a lot of uh, adversity coming from a place where it was challenging growing up to a place of uh, having success and degrees and, and, and awards. But I couldn't overcome this one. This one seemed like it was coming from all different places. So I had... Uh, had a faith, but it was, you know, peripheral, you know, God is going to help me along the way when I need him. So I needed a little bit more help. So I called a guy up that had gray hair and he had run a business before and got out of the business to start a ministry. So I thought this guy probably can give me some insight in what's going on. So I call him up and I said, Bill, 
can I buy you a breakfast taco? That's just how we do it in San Antonio. <laughs> and we sit down over a breakfast taco and I, and I explain everything to him and all the circumstances. I said, man, I just can't figure this thing out. And I don't remember what he said, but I remember what God said through him. And he said, are you done yet? Are you done living the life I never intended you to live? Are you done carrying the worry and the burdens of life? Are you done trying to control every circumstance, every in, uh, every person? Um, and and I was completely done. You know, I had I had given him my finances, but there was so much more to give him. And at that moment, we had wrestled with some scriptures, particularly John fifteen five, and the latter part that says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." I started to actually believe that, and to this day, uh, not only do I believe it, I live it moment by moment, and. So that was a, an experience that unfortunately, like I said, if I were God, I'd do it differently. But the way he did it was just beautifully to get me to a place where I could come before him and say, look, I can't do this entrepreneurial thing independent of you. Daryl, at what point in your career did this epiphany happen? Well, it was about uh, – I always, I always re- reflect relative to my daughter's age. So she's seven now is when she was two. So it was five years ago. Now, I really started in the business when I was pretty much 17 years old. I mean, I was working early, early in life. So I had been hustling for business for, you know, 20 years at this point almost. And so there's a lot of pressure that I put on myself every day. Daryl, when God said, are you done yet? What was the first thing in your mind that you realized that you had to be done with? You know, I had to to be done uh, trying to control uh, every circumstance and I had to let God be God and if I you know it, it reminds me a lot of Abraham trying to control things right mm-hmm. and uh, and and so what if things didn't go my way uh, I would say well God's not in this so I need to I need to I need to figure out a way to make it happen and, and I know there's some hard work there that comes in there and some creativity and I, I recognize that but I would not I would never give God credit. I would never recognize his sovereignty in a closed door. If it was a closed door, I was going to bash it open. But I would never sit there and go, God, you closed this door for a reason. I look forward to experiencing this and understanding why you closed that door. And that's just a different attitude. Mm. So what led you to write this book, Daryl? So uh, it was actually more um, um, more practical than spiritual initially. Uh, I was getting a lot of recognition as an entrepreneur in success and awards, not only in San Antonio, but across the country. My relationship with Dave Ramsey and his team and um, some large organizations would recognize us. So they would send small business owners to us to ask questions about operations, marketing, uh, hiring. So I would field these questions over the phone at least one a week. And then in the community, I would field lunches and coffees just from entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs just wanting to pick my brain. So I decided to teach a class and the class would fill up and it was just a free class to the community. So when I, I built this class and this workshop and the demand was there, I looked at the content sitting on my desk and I go, holy cow, I've got a book here. So I started writing. Now what happened was as I was writing and putting this together, I gave it to my business partner and he said, this is not you. You sprinkle God all through this, but that's not how you live your life. That's not how you roll. And I said, you know, that's true, but I was uh, hesitant to put myself out there because when you put yourself out there as somebody of faith in print forever, 
there was a degree of accountability that I wasn't certain I was ready for. Uh, but I went ahead and, 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 and was, uh, cor- I would suggest to you I was in Christ courageously vulnerable to put my story, my faith, and, and it's inspired entrepreneurs uh, over the last month. It's only been out a month. It, it's really inspired a lot of people to step in faith as an entrepreneur. And that's been a lot of fun. So you chose to step into the glass house. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I've, you know, it's, and it's already, the stones have already broken stuff. I'm telling you, I, I was expecting that it's, it's not an easy one. And, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm abiding in him and, and, and in every, in every moment of that. You know, it's interesting, Daryl, when I started my practice as an executive coach, I had the same thoughts. Do I just market myself as a executive coach, leadership coach to the world from that business perspective, or do I go all in and just say, I'm, I'm a Christian who is an executive coach and put that out there. And, uh, even everything I went through with my accident and the recovery and, and just the miracles in my life, I still had that hesitancy. But when I decided to do that, the blessings have been huge, but you're right there. There's been some very surprising rocks from areas I didn't expect, but you know what? It's actually made me better and I had a sense of peace about some of these things that came from different areas that I never thought I'd have. And I think that goes directly to what you were talking about before, when you really abide in Christ in every part of your life, everything kind of comes into alignment and into context. Uh, that's right. And that's a, that's a good point. And I just, it's, it's interesting when you, when you do that in Christ, when you stand up as a leader, it's funny how many other people say, Okay, I'll do it too. It's like you jumped in the pool and you yes, said, "Hey guys, exactly. let's you know it's not too bad." I'm having other entrepreneurs across the country say, "Yeah, I'm in. Let's do this." And 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 to me, it gets me goosebumps on my goosebumps to see a crusade of entrepreneurs uh, that are Christians in the marketplace stand up for who they are. I agree, Daryl. You mentioned abiding. What exactly does that mean for you? Because this is this is a topic that's come up for me a number of times over the last few weeks and really months. What exactly does that look like for you? Yeah, it's a good question. And and so, you know, I, I always have to say you've guys got great uh, guests on your uh, on your show. Um, Daniel Henderson is is probably a great one to ask. And as a previous podcast, if people haven't listened to that, it's a great one. Uh, and he might have a more theological answer. I'm just going to tell you my experience. Yeah. If that's OK. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so when I abide in him, it's moment by moment to me. Of res- my responsibility, the uh, uh, kind of play on words here, is to respond to his ability. So as mm-hmm. he's relentlessly pursuing me, I have a recognition that he's pursuing me, and I respond to that pursuit. And the byproduct of that moment by moment dependence is in Galatians, where he talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self control, faithfulness. And a byproduct of that is, are those fruits, not just for me, but for other people. So when I'm abiding in him moment by moment, and I trust him in that moment, and I'm depending on him in that moment, I actually get to see and experience this fruit. When I'm not abiding in him, when I'm walking independent of him, what do I experience? For me, I experience fear and I experience worry. And so um, I think it's, uh, abiding is really important because we can kind of test that. And if we're living in fear, we recognize that we've separated from uh, the separation from the vine branch has has at that point been cut off um, or separated. And so I certainly enjoy abiding in him, but I think about it as moment by moment dependence. And how has that journey been going for you? Uh, 
it's been unbelievable, man. I mean, it really has. And it is, um, it's been a lot easier than the alternative solution. So for years, uh, I'm a book nut like you guys are. I would read a book. I would outline every book uh, that I read. Uh, if you had a checklist of five things to do to be a better Christian, I was going to do those things better than anybody else. And and you could you could give me Christian stuff and I would checklist it, but I would do it independent of God. And it's just a really fine line to be uh, independent of God, not abiding in Him, but doing great things. And 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 it and it carries a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility. And then you take ownership of the results. Let me give you an example. My um, I was I was I was jogging. And I was listening to uh, some audio stuff, and the guy says, hey, guys, if you – it was a preacher in good intent. Hey, guys, if you want to really get your wife to appreciate you, do the dishes for her. So I think, man, that's great. That's another thing I can do. Check it off. Check I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do the dishes for my wife. And so he said, look, you're going to get some loving if you do the dishes. I said, oh, this is even better. So I go do the dishes for my wife, and guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing. So, and then I get mad because, you know, hey, I just did the dishes for you and I just talked to a preacher and he said this is work. So there must be something wrong with you. <laughs> so, so you see how Ooh. this, can, you see how this can just get real messed up quickly. So abiding in him means um, I can't, I do not have the capacity to love my wife independent of God because God is love. And so, you know what? I'm going to love God. And a byproduct of that is I'm going to love my wife and I'm going to do things for her out of love with zero expectations. That's just a different way to live. And you know what happens? She gets attracted to the Jesus in me. You know, I love that. You know, you know, it's reminded me of this whole concept of doing and being. You know, there's so many, you know, entrepreneurs, we, we, we love to be doers and we, we do something because it, it achieves a goal. It gets us a reward. But what you're talking about is being that person who's in the relationship with God and that's infusing everything that you're doing without expectations of things coming back. And when you're being that person, then the doing becomes very, very different And what the rewards and things that come back to you when you're doing it from that perspective are so much more meaningful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, and I don't have this checklist of five things that I have to do today. Uh, I need to abide in him. There's still some practical things I do as a business owner. And, you know, obviously in the book, I've got a bunch of practical things, but I'm very careful as I lay out those practical things to say, let's not do this independent of God. And that's why after every uh, chapter in the book, I, I make sure that there's a prayer that uh, clearly articulates that vine branch relationship. So that way we don't execute our goals independent of God. You know, the principles you have in the book, Daryl, what, what do you think are some of the, the key ones to share with people who haven't read the book yet? Yeah, so uh, what I did is the way I art articulated the book is I recognized I was looking for a silver bullet, something that all entrepreneurs can use to just be uh, excellent. So I interviewed a bunch of entrepreneurs and I did a bunch of research and, of course, never found that silver bullet. But what I did recognize is that there's a cycle that a lot of entrepreneurs experience, and, and there's really four stages in that cycle. And the first one is that they have a destination. There's a place that they want to go. They're disturbed. They recognize the marketplace isn't serving a certain community. Then as they execute and go on that destination, their dollars, this is the second step, their dollars reflect their bank account. And then, um, 
and and then it reflects their efforts more than anything. And then the third step is that they need to hire somebody to help because they're overwhelmed. So it's not the hiring that's difficult. It's the dialogue between that person. So that's the third step. And then the fourth step is they need to hire somebody else because now they're really starting to grow. But they having three people there or more, you need to create an identity that's an extension of what you believe in. Now, as an entrepreneur goes in every stage and uh, whether it's starting out or entering new markets or manufacturing new products, they experience an incredible amount of worry, pressure, and fear as they go through each stage. And so what I want to articulate to small business owners is that you're in this stage, but you're not in it alone. Abide in him in each moment. And that was ultimately the silver bullet that I was trying to find is that we will experience worry, pressure, and and fear, but we won't let it stay there long as we abide in him in every phase of our business. It sounds like that is the really kind of the key point of this whole conversation, isn't it, Daryl? It really is. You know, we could you, you can certainly talk about your your profit margins are supposed to be 15 or 25 percent. And there's a there's some rules of thumbs there that are that are helpful. Um, there are certain questions that you could use when you hire somebody. But as you execute all these things with excellence, uh, it's are you doing it independent of God? And and we're not in a everything spiritual. And, and so, uh, again, I keep going back to your last podcast because I liked it so much uh, with Mr. Henderson. But, you know, he had mentioned that as well, is that everything's spiritual. And I totally believe that. And so when we look at it through those lens, <clears throat> we certainly it changes our attitude. It really does. You know, as we as we wrap up here, Daryl, what are just some key thoughts you'd like to leave with people as they're driving to work or working out and listening to this today? You know, I think I think the, the scriptures even say test ourselves. Um, I think we need to take inventory as a as an individual, a leader, a person who's uh, striving just, just to get better. I mean, if we're not leading a, a small business or an organization, we're leading a family, and and the pressure that we put on ourselves to lead because if the results aren't happening the way we want, uh, it continues to put worry, pressure, and fear on our lives. And and I see it, and you guys see it as you work with people and their money. And despite the bank accounts, I mean, their bank accounts can have millions in it and they can still live in fear. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to articulate is that if, if, I, if, if everyone could just unwrap uh, what's going on in their lives and just throw around their dirty laundry for everyone to see, we would recognize that people are living in fear and perpetual fear and worry. And, you're, and people are just not alone in this. Everyone, nearly everyone is living in fear and worry. And the only solution to this fear and worry is abiding in him. That moment by moment dependence is the only solution. And you can find other alternatives that might pacify, whether it's a funny comedy show or or substances, uh, but it only pacifies. The only source for overcoming that fear and worry is moment by moment dependence upon Him in everything that we do in our lives. A conversation I've just had in the last couple of weeks is just about this whole concept of fear. People that very significant in in what they're doing in business, and what you're talking about with abiding. I, I think also part of that is having that trust in God that there is a plan that maybe you can't see in the moment, you know, like Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Think about, you know, and some of the things that's happened in your life, if you can really develop that personal relationship, you develop that trust with God, um, that then allows you, it's like yourself giving your, 
I don't know if giving yourself permission is the right answer, but you, you have to mature to the point where you're, where you can let go and just abide. And I think it's that journey that is so critical for success. Mm. I think long-term eternally in this world. And, uh, I wish we had some more time to talk about it, but I would really encourage people to find people like Daryl, you know, read his book, but people that are abiding in God that have that kind of relationship, that trust, that faith, you know, be part of a man or a woman's group, uh, you know, find somebody to disciple you, um, find a, uh, you know, some resources, tools to do that. If somebody wants to call and talk to me about that, I'd be happy to do that. But Daryl, I love how you, you talked about that there at the end. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been a pleasure for me. It's been more conversational than anything. I've just enjoyed uh, chatting with you guys and wrestling with this stuff. And, and um, it's just fun to, to be a part of people who are uh, seeking him. And, and I, I want to tell your, your listeners as well that there's a whole group of people out there that are hungry um, for God. And so I just want us to have confidence to go out there and be ourselves in him and just say, look, we're Christians and, and I'm not going to apologize for it. And, and you'll find how many people will stand beside you in that journey. You know, that, that is so true, isn't there? There's so many like-minded people out there, uh, but we haven't kind of opened our filters up to look for them and connect with them. And I think if we have that front of mind, you know, it's like you're looking at buying a certain kind of car, a certain kind of color, all of a sudden you see it everywhere on the road. And so if you have it front of mind that, you know, Lord, help me find people that are in that journey with me that want to have this relationship with you, have excellence in their life, all of a sudden they're going to start showing up in your life and they're going to become your new best friends. That's right. If you'd like more information about Daryl, his advisory practice, or his book, again, I highly recommend it. Just go to eternalleadership.com slash 058. There we'll have all those links and more, eternalleadership.com slash 058. And Daryl has also written an ebook called 30 Small Business Startup Mistakes. And you can get a copy of that if you go to our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash 058. And you'll see the link right there. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Next time, we bring back our good friend, John Garfield, into The Coach's Corner. There's a practical aspect to releasing the Spirit of God in in people in a way that touches businesses, in a way that causes dreams to come true. And that is the gospel. John unpacks more how he coaches people like he lays out in his book, Releasing Kings. It's a process that I'm working through with him right now, and I love it. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.